0: an old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life a fight is going on inside me he says to the boy and it's a terrible fight this fight is between two wolves one wolf is evil it is angry sorrow regret greed arrogance self-pity Guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other wolf is good. This joy is, this wolf, (laughs) is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. Now this same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. A little grandson, he had to sit there for a minute, you know, think about it. He looked up and asked the grandfather, well, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, it's the wolf you feed.
1: Lord, it's so hard living this life A constant struggle I won't accept that this is how it's going to be, therefore you've got to let me and my people go, cause I want to be free, completely free, Lord won't you please come and say
3: while we walk through Ferguson with our hands up
2: When it goes down, we woman and man up they good stand evening. Down and we stand up Stop, be on the ground The camera pans up King Good
0: God. afternoon or good morning It all just depends on what part of the world you are living in That part of the one day Yeah, that's always, that's always a gift right there Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Bienvenidos, K Welcome. Namaste. Welcome to another episode of the Greenhouse Effect radio show. My name is Will Green, holding down one half of our and duties, holding down the other half. Uh, we call him the Lion's Historian. Some of them call him Unc. I just call him my best friend, my dad, Bill Green. What's happening, Daddy-o?
2: hey. hey.
3: Hey, mi amigo, mi hermano, mi niño, mi son
0: of you
1: all. <laughs> 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 bueno, bueno.
0: <laughs> hey, welcome <laughs> back, man. <laughs>
1: oh, thank you. Thank
0: you.
3: Welcome back, man. Welcome back. Thank you, you know, how, you know, I I forgot how a professional intro to the show is supposed to sound. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> my man, my man. Now that Helter helped the to business I was doing last week, man, you know it's like I was ready to just kick- kick back and let you just go on and roll with the show, well, kinda
0: kind <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, wait a minute here,
3: <laughs> yeah, man, welcome back, man, welcome back, good Thank to you. hear you. good to hear you clear, you know, yeah. um, man, that's yeah good to hear yeah. you clear again, you know, I got to.
0: I'm not too happy about the snow outside, but it's good to be, you know, sitting in my, in my studio, if you will. Um, Yeah. Being able to, to rock it like we did. So thank you. It's good to be back. Good to be back. Amen. Amen. Um, So what's the word,
3: man? Go ahead. Let me step aside while you do, you do.
0: All right. Well, you know, ladies and gentlemen, like we do every show, we always like to just uh, set off some reminders here just to, get things going. Uh, I like how dad put it last week, some of the best ways we could maintain rapport and connection. Uh, That's one thing that we try to do here on the greenhouse effect radio show with you all, the listeners. So every Monday and Wednesday, our shows are live on blogtalkradio.com slash the greenhouse FX. All shows are recorded as well. So uh, we like to make sure that you've got a pen and pad handy, pencil and paper, a (laughs) post-it note, a marker, I don't know. You got an index card, the back of an envelope, whatever you got. want to make sure that if you have any questions, you don't forget those questions, any comments, anything like that you might want to share with us or the audience. You know, you may even pick something up from, well, you know, my dad, you know, he's the Lions historian. He's got a lot of information. So you definitely want some pen and paper. Um, You know, sometimes I'm just happy to be here. So anyway, grab that pencil and paper. Uh, The second thing is, like we said, we like to Make sure we engage with you all as well so there's a couple of ways we can do this you can call in our phone number here is five one six four five three six zero nine four i'll say it one more time for you five one six four five three six zero nine four and if you feel in so inclined press that one button on your keypad uh, if you got any comments or anything you feel moved uh, press that one button and we'll try to bring you in as soon as we can But that's why you got the pen and paper handy, so you don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we got our chat room on our live show here on the Blog Talk Radio site. That's open as well. It's already jumping. Hello, everybody in the chat room. It's good to see everybody here. Um, Or good to hear everybody, as, as Dad likes to put it. So the chat room is available through a Blog Talk Radio account. Just become an active member with Blog Talk Radio it doesn't cost you anything but you'll have to you know get your profile set up um but this way if you like to engage live in the chat room you can do so in the chat room and you know one other measure we have is that you can also comment on f on uh facebook and we'll try to pick you up on there as well so uh how was that i, I feel a little rusty man you know coming in uh, you know with the intro Moves and everything smooth <laughs> as
3: glass man now you kid I almost said something else that I got to remember when
1: <laughs> we're on a radio show. I'm,
3: I'm still struggling with vernacular and, and watching my, my choice of words, man. So, yeah. Happy well, New I, Year, Artie. Yeah. I,
0: I think I think everybody knows you're not on here just like, you know, MFNN, this and that and this and that and this and that. You know, like you said, this is the beauty of having our own platform. So occasionally if a word slips out here and there, I think – They'll charge it to our heart, you know, just because we display a lot of emotion. Oh,
3: okay. How? Well, in that case, yeah, man, you were smooth as goose shit.
0: There we go. <laughs> all right. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm now, talking about. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's right. This is my first show, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, over uh, in the United States. So my first show 2022 in the United States.
1: That's right. I saw
0: my first snowfall of the new year so yeah already this is like a new year for me it's like my uh, new year mm-hmm. starting all over again uh, getting yeah. back home here in chicago um yes yeah, it's, it's been a, a heck of a last what 30 30 days yeah it's been about 30 days yeah man. yeah i left dallas on christmas yeah it's been a heck of a heck of a month you know a lot lot more to share with that i know that that stuff's going to come out so you know maybe it's the listening audience don't mind, maybe I can share some of my experiences one day on the show. One day. One day. <laughs> <laughs> see? see. Uh-oh. I already said, where did we go? Yeah. Oh, I went to Mexico. I thought you were like, where did you go like you couldn't hear? So I'm freaking out already. No, I went to Mexico. Uh, I went to a couple of different states. Calm down, man. You're good. Yeah. One in Durango, and uh, then I went to uh, Mazatlan. So, and came back to Durango. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see the chat room jumping already. That's pretty cool. So, man, uh, so great what, job last week, huh? I was just
3: gonna say. So, what was what was the experience overall like, man? I mean, you know, I I've never been to Mexico.
1: Hmm.
0: Other than um, in the movies. But in the <laughs> well, let me say that first of all, you know, it's nothing like the movies you know like uh anything okay. like we might think it is uh of course there mm-hmm. might be some parts like that too but no it, it was a it was a good experience i i felt comfortable i felt safe um it was kind of weird you know um being in a country and i don't speak the language you know and just how to engage with different people um yeah not really having that ability to communicate but i mean it all worked out you know but uh it was kind of weird being like the only black person black american you know i know that there's some, you you know but i really didn't see any black americans uh at all in durango or Mazatlan, so that was that was a little trippy um but but the time away i you know uh really helped me to slow my brain down a little bit. And I think you talked a little bit about how our brain kind of works sometimes. It just kind of goes a little crazy. And I just had a chance to kind of slow my brain down for a little while and, you know, realize that I wasn't really in a lot of control. I mean, because I really couldn't communicate, you know, and I just had to mm-hmm. relax. And it was yeah. it was kind of meditative, you know, being able to, to relax and not think so much. Wow. You know, kind of not clear the mechanism, as our boy said, and, and the love of the game, but kind of slow down the mechanism a little bit. Uh, it really helped out. I I, I I think it helped me out. So I'm excited to see what this year brings and, you know, some of the things that we can do, like with the show, with some other ideas and thoughts to have, you know? That's right. Right on, man. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was yeah. and, and
0: the weather was beautiful. You know, like I said a week ago, I was, you know, I was in seventy degree weather. Now I'm outside shoveling my truck, shoveling snow around my truck so I can get out in the morning <laughs> and deal with five degree weather relate. so I can go get the car fixed. Yeah,
3: I can't yeah. relate at all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know nothing about that life anymore. <laughs> yeah. You got a little bit of it, but you know, you, you no, ain't got no, snow no, like no, that.
3: Now that ain't now. That's all a part of where I am in Texas. Yeah. We have two seasons. It's January and summer.
1: <laughs> so, you
3: yeah. know, so no, none of that, none of that stuff you're dealing with, touch me at all, man. You know, cold is cold. You know, and it lasts just long enough down here, you know, to feel it in my bones. But I'm so spoiled. So, whenever it drops below 32, I'm like, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> Why is the Lord cursing you know cursing us like this? <laughs> Where's the sunlight in the war? <laughs> you know tripping all the way right? yeah you know, <laughs> typical,
0: turn into a more yeah,
3: typical displaced Chicagoan, Chicago Chicagoan. you know, uh but it's good, it's good, man, it's all good so um what do you what do you have to share with us tonight, man?
0: What do I have to share tonight?
3: Yeah, what did you want? To, what What are your pearls of wisdom that you wanted to throw out there, or, or did, or was I supposed to start? <laughs> you know, well, it's always a danger when I start.
1: <laughs> where's the override? Where's the override? Yeah, this may
3: be the last time everybody hears from
2: you. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I I doubt that, but
1: yeah, you know,
0: I I wanted to to uh, and like I said, I know we'll be talking different things about Mexico. Uh, right. You know, I didn't really want to talk too much about it, but I'm going to tell you this before we get going. You know, don't believe everything you see in the movies. And, and I have to say the same thing for any of our Mexican listeners or anybody else overseas. Don't always believe what you see in these movies. You know, you have to go to these places and experience them okay. for yourself. You know, uh, like yeah. if we took a bus. Just real quick, we took a bus from Durango to Mazatlan. It's like a three-hour ride. We rode on Mm -hmm. a nice big bus. And, you know, I told my mom, yeah, we're taking the bus. And she was like, oh, it must be nice to ride with the the people and their culture and their ways of how they get around. It just really tickled me (laughs) because, to me, in my mind, I'm seeing her picture us on the bus like you see in the movies with no roof, you know, chicken feathers right. flying around and kids crying <laughs> and people wearing sombreros and stuff like that. You know, it's not like that. You know, It's nothing like that. Chicken feathers. That's
1: funny.
0: But, you know, we all kind of have these implied thoughts, if you will, of not, yeah. you know, racist, racism, but not really being racist. You know, it's just how it's been. Implanted and how our brain thinks. But anyway, had a hell of a time. I can't wait to go back. Definitely got to get it, get you down there to uh, to Mexico, Dad. So that's all I'm gonna say right now about that. So, uh, but I wanted to really give you your, your your shout out, man, and your big ups for holding it down last week, Monday and Wednesday, and um, both shows were for what I could hear. Monday was hard because I was moving from one city to the other, but Wednesday show. I had a chance to listen to it right before we did this show, man, and you were just as smooth, man. You were all butter. It was great to hear Ray and uh Jay Pastor on there too. Uh much Amen. respect and love to those guys for uh riding the wave with you Wednesday. And I just wanted to again give your you know, accompli- give give knowledge to your accomplishment and and how you handled the show Wednesday, man. So again Well I appreciate
3: a- it, man. But any anything I did is all due to my training. <laughs> yeah, ah,
1: there they are.
3: Yeah, there's the, the millions.
1: <laughs> the millions. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, it's all due to my training, man. Yeah, you're a great EP, man. Yeah, in case y'all don't Appreciate know what EP is, that's executive producer. This is Will's show, you know, and um, bringing me on was, for him, I'm sure, well, for you, I'm talking to you, you know for you for you, I'm sure it's been the blessing and the curse, <laughs> <laughs> you because know, you know our motto, I use a hundred words with, 1, words with <laughs> a thousand words
0: with a thousand yeah, um, so last week, you uh, were doing some shows as a tribute. Uh, to black history or black lore. And you really broke down a lot of uh, historical uh, points in the last couple of days. And I I did want you to go ahead and kind of continue because I know there were a couple other points you wanted to hit today. So this is kind of like a part three, which is why we also had the free at last clip. So, uh, you know, that was a good, good suggestion. Um, You know, I thought it was
3: a dig. I thought you put that on the. We All the people were saying, we're free at last. Will's back. <laughs> ah, <laughs> no, I just,
1: ah, just mess with you. Ah, <laughs> no, that, ah,
3: you know, and the, uh, the the irony, you know, is that that was supposed to be one show, you know, a tribute to, you know, um, civil rights and, and honoring of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for, you know, for King Day last week. It was supposed to be one show, you know, and um, as I should have known, in spite of reading and practicing and timing any script I may have written out for myself, it just doesn't go like that, you know. We're not a we're not a linear people, so to say. So of course, you know, linear language or linear conversation eludes me. You know, I, I, it doesn't take much for me to get caught up in the emotion of the expression, and unfortunately, you know, as I'm sure you've experienced more than once. You know, for me to lose track of where I'm going, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I got drifted. And I can't think of anything more than the topic that wound up being the topic still carrying over to this week's show, you know, on the push for civil rights that, you know, it's by, I mean, if anything, you know, it's just moved into another gear. You know, it, it's never been what it was supposed to be since Emancipation Proclamation and um, talking about it last week and having, you know, your bros on the show and just the perspective of of their insightfulness in regards to the the roads they have traveled, you know, just added more energy, you know, to the um, overall enjoyment of having a show like this. Of course, everybody's. I'm sure now. by now tired of hearing me say how much of a joy it is for me as being a father to be doing something like this with my oldest son and to have him call me and to have you call me, you know, your best friend. And, of course, I call you my best friend and then I have to augment it cause I don't want to alienate my other two sons, but then, you know, but they don't listen anyway. So what the hell?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you're not going to get any argument from me on that. <laughs> yeah, Amen. Amen. So, you know, um,
3: we did go through, you know, Booker T Washington and really his was more of an industrial approach toward, um, um, the black, uh, movement after, after, um, the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, um, and i don't know if it's a if it's a dig or if it's a compliment but people have reduced all of what he he's he did you know including you know um his work toward the um Tuskegee Institute um, as being a simple statement of yeah he was about pull yourself up by your bootstraps well he was about the bootstraps. He was about industry. He was about the importance of taking a trade and using the trade, you know, to improve the quality of a life of freedom. But being a person born from from an era of servitude and, you know, living that life and um, having to find a, a, a compromise within himself of... Wanting to maintain a degree of social balance between black and white America, he didn't want a newfound freedom, you know, to cause, you know, white America to um, freak out, so to say. And you know, not only are they free, but now they're starting to, you know, speak, you know, their own, their own, their own, their own. They're starting to sing their own songs. Oh no! So he calmed them down, you know, in the sense of saying, "Oh, you won't ever find a more loyal people, you know, than." And black folks, you know, and you won't find them anywhere else in the world. So you know, starting with him, but then ending with Marcus Garvey, and who, um, who, you know, Du Bois, who I call Du Bois, you know, considered to be the most dangerous man known to Black America. You know, and, and recognizing that the three of them, as much as they played such an important part in establishing a foundation of the civil rights movement, um, was the, Dr. Dubois being about Pan-Americanism, and then Marcus Garvey being about Pan-Africanism. Mm-hmm. You know, so you take the industrial movement. You know, a Pan-American consciousness where, you know, um, Dubois was really fo- more mo- mo- mostly focused on the talented ten percent of the black population being that group that would help. Uh, intellectualize the rest of black American garbage, saying, man, the hell with all that. We need to go back to Africa, establish our own nation, and rule ourselves. You know, so between the three of them became this voice that is still, you know, seeking expression in the overall civil rights movement, which has to do with who are we? You know, who are we as a people in this so-called democratic society that bends the rules at its own whim, you know, and leaves us still scurrying about just trying to find some type of clarity as to what real purpose is and real direction is in, again, the so-called democratic society that still today practices racial divisions, especially in attuned to color. You know, we, we kind of joked last week about, you know, um, me being light-skinned and having relatively, you know, um, straight hair, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, what people referred to in my day as good hair. You know, Jesus. You know, that was a curse in itself to even yes. hear that.
0: I still but do. Then it.
3: Compare, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, but then the comparison of the white counterpart, where well, you never hear, you know, white dudes talking about, <laughs> hey,
1: you know, yeah, that, that white dude
3: over there, you know the dude that's white with with straight hair, <laughs> you know they are, you know we're the only people who describe ourselves by our color variations, and all too often, you know, not as a compliment, you know, um, yeah. I remember all too well when the when the shift of consciousness came in the sixties and we moved from Negro to black, you know it became a finger pointing almost you know, um like, yeah, this movement ain't about you, house Negro. You know, this is about black folks. You know, and 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 it's still been that kind of division. You know, that that I don't know. It's it's really been a, a strange thing. So um, there I go drifting again. So bringing it back to the foray, bringing it back to focus, talking about the the beginning. And we're only talk, we're only talking about the the late you know 19th century through. We're only talking about a like a hundred and forty years, you know, which is what that that could be a. I have an aunt. You have an aunt. If I have an aunt, you do too. She's a hundred and five years old. A hundred and six, I think now. So you know, yeah. So, so we're, we're we're talking almost within the reach of one lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you define a whole nation of people within a spectrum of one lifetime? as far as the pursuit of freedom is concerned, when everything about this country has been totally focused on white privilege and the struggle of even being able to say that without people getting offended. It's the nature of the development of the country stolen right out from under the nose of its original inhabitants. That's just the history Of this country whether people like it or not it isn't made up there was over a 300 year war toward um, those who were indigenous to this country well you know some of us refer to as American Indians I'm 74 now and every time I watch a Western today just watch one last last night it's called the last Cherokee (laughs) you know it was like a 1950s 55 60s maybe movie and, you know, so, of course, it had all the stereotypic attitudes about, you know, Indians. But not the last Cherokee, the last um, – um, um, was, there was Apaches, and then what was the other one? Uh man. The,
0: uh,
3: not, the, not the other one, like there was only two. I mean, in the, <laughs> in the South, you know, the, along the, the – The Cherokee,
0: uh Apache, the – <laughs> uh I'm trying to think of the yeah, typical ones they just do in the movies i got i got my map right here comanche
3: it was the last comanche there you, you know you. i got my map i got my native indian tribes map right in front of me so so when he when the, when the movie was the last comanche i said oh okay i know where the movie's going to come from it's going to come from somewhere around the northern region of texas and extend to some degree into new mexico and maybe even oklahoma and sure enough it was right around the texas area you know so it's a matter of understanding and watching that movie. Again, not having any type of historical perspective, not even thinking about a movie I would watch where um, where a soldier would come from the east to the west and ask somebody else to help him understand the ways of the Indian or help me understand how to fight him. You know, it's like, yeah, we don't even think of Indians being east. We only think of them being west, you know, and then the only ones we think of as being west we think of as being what the pictures call savages or uncivilized. And so I'm watching this now as a grown-ass a grown man and understanding how easily, you know, in its own corrupt intention, that Hollywood can shape the image of any people in the way it wants. Yeah. And when you hear it long enough, it starts working into the very fiber of one's being, of consciousness. And, yeah. it, and it can't help but to influence the way people view each other. So, you know, like Dr. Carl Jung said, if you control a people's symbol, you control a people. And I don't think that exists any more strongly than it does in American society. So the struggle for civil rights still has its own tainted understanding that is fueled by a, a, a discourse of inaccurate information regarding American history. And here's the problem, or as you like to say, Wilfredo, Herein lies the rub. The rub, <laughs> you know. Yeah. How do you re-educate a whole people? You know. How do you. How. How do we do that? So, in what direction is, is this country really really heading? So, you and I talked briefly right before the show about Wally Ferrar, and I'm not going to get into him beyond the scope of another ingredient that helps bridge the gap between the like the the, the the late 30s and maybe a, a tinge of the 40s in regards to Garveyism, and then jumping forward to, like, 55 to, like, let's say, symbolically Emmett Till, well, what went on, you know, for those 30 years, 25 years in between? You know, what was the the mood of black America, you know, during that transitional period, you know, that was going to reach full bloom in the late 50s and early 60s that was going to give fuel to the shift in consciousness of moving from um colored negro um, to black and then afro and then african american again you know so what what was that what was that what was that mood all about how was it being viewed what who were the characters in between wally ferrard was one who was wally ferrard well he was really the, the 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 one okay the best way to describe him is in the autobiography of malcolm x written by um Alex um, Haley. Um, in that book, in that incredibly you know, um, well-defined book, there's a moment when Malcolm X, um, still kind of transitioning from Malcolm Little to Malcolm X, um, trying to find himself. Boy, That's such a familiar thing for black men in particular. Um, and I say in particular because I'm a black man. Uh, and while in the jail cell, he he was visited by a vision of Wally Ferrar in the book, but in the movie Spike Lee's movie, the vision is um, Elijah Muhammad. Well, Elijah Muhammad was Elijah Poole, who was a student of Wally Ferrard's teaching. Now I'm not, I ain't, I ain't saying nothing nothing right now. But but usually when somebody says but, but. they ain't agreeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hard to agree with somebody when you're saying but, right? Um, but just when. Elijah Muhammad came into power. Wally Farad disappeared, and nobody ever heard from him since. Now, I'm just saying, you know, uh, it is what it is, and it, you know, at the same time, it isn't what it isn't. But it's something. So, you know, like in between um, Ferrard and, and let's say Emmett Till, you know, you had um, Vernon Johns, who was the original pastor of the church that um, a young, um, striving. Strapping, well versed black man, um, fresh out of Morehouse College, was about to um, become the pastor of the same church. And his name was Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And Vernon Johns, um, who really nobody knows probably, even though there was a movie about him, and James Earl Jones, you know, starred in that role, um, he did the first sit in. It was a one man sit in. And, um, in Georgia and it went to the restaurant and um, sat down in a segregated restaurant and of course you know the um, the waiter or waitress came up to him and he sat at the counter you know and that's where sit in started at the counter by the way in these segregated um, restaurants never at the tables always at the counters and he was at the counter and so when the waiter came up to him and, and told him he said well look you need to understand something we don't serve niggers here and he said, that's all right, I don't eat them. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, that was the first sit-in <laughs> at <laughs> Vernon John's school, um, Martin Luther King Jr. He was like a mentor who explained to him that he was taking on a very unique kind of congregation because they were more or less the elite um, crowd of, of churchgoers. So they they were... You know, really not so much into the themes and the struggles of, let's say, the field Negroes. You know, they were more in a dignified, self-actualized state of being, you know, intellectual, so to say. So anyway, uh, Vernon Johns was just schooling him on what he's going to deal with. And then, of course, we, we, um, we jump into the, to the area of Emmett Till and the era. Of him and of course there was others in between and and I'm sure most people are familiar with with that name um, mm-hmm. synonymous to the um, the next wave of the civil rights movement but there were others you know right on the heels of that Stokely Carmichael who later became what Kwame Ture I think that's how you pronounce his new name born again in Africa you know and his was a cry black is beautiful and, of course, there was Malcolm X's By Any Means Necessary. And then the Black Panther Party, you know, power to the people, you know, and the rise of Elijah Muhammad, you know, on the Muslim movement in America, which very much paralleled the themes of um, Garveyism, you know, about developing a nation of your own, ruled by you. And then, you know, the idea was to end Monday's show with Dr. King's free at last free at last thank god almighty we're free at last and that was just so cool that that's what you started the show with so you know going through these eras and there was still claudette colvin who was really the first rosa parks but no one talked about it. she was 15 on a bus refused to get up now story one part of the story goes may not be consistent with the others that she was pregnant at the time and not married and um it was decided that the black movement did not want hers to be the face of it. But there was Lucille Times and Viola White and um then the Miami Miami, the Montgomery, Alabama City Code, section ten, you know, which required a separation of the races and bus drivers were empowered to enforce that. There were no black bus drivers. So all those things, you know, um Which was intended to be touched on to some degree and just giving some kind of props, you know. Um, Applause, please, (laughs) to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and um, the the, the crest of the wave that, there you go, (laughs) that he started, you know, in the early 60s on through. And, you know, I should stop right now and. But, <laughs>
0: but <laughs>
3: I messed up, man. You know, and last week I did not do it for either show. All day long, I stayed away from the news. You know, mm-hmm. because I did not want it to get in the way of the show. I messed around just by accident. I mean, really. Um, and I tuned in one of the to, to one of the talk shows, and this dude. Um, uh, Ari Melber is his name. He hosts one of the shows on MSNBC, and there was this little segment, just a little segment. Um, and his question was, "Why do people love sports?" You know, um, and and of course, the extended part of it was meaning, you know, why do people, why is it that people don't seem to have a problem coming together doing sports events? You know, and the segment led on to really what it turned out to be was about equestrian competition. And one of the dudes who wrote this book called horse women, it was two co co-authors. that one guy said, you know, um, he called, he referred to horses as athletes. Well, I had a reaction to that, you know, and, um, I'm not going to go any further than, than just saying I had a reaction to that. Um, I, I I I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not going to try to go anywhere with it right now. But it made me start thinking, you know, and what it made me start thinking once again, um, my issues with my concerns, my fears, my wonders about the direction of um, black athletes, you know, mm-hmm. what direction will they take if the mood of politics continues inch closer and closer, man, to a dic- dictatorial ship or at least a reframing of democracy as I've known it, as you've known it, and as anybody who's listening to this show has known it to be. You know, the vote has always been a struggle for black people and no question about that. You know, um, but now on the top of everything else, you know, there's a white Democrat from Arizona, right, who voted against the the Voters' Rights Act, you know, the, the, the redefining of it. So, and a Democrat, you know, so here we are again, you know, and I'm just going to not go any further than this one last little piece, the Heritage Foundation in 2016. Now, the Heritage Foundation, Heritage, well, the Heritage Foundation in 2016 came out with this really amazing video, you know, and it was about the Supreme Court and opening with the statement that the Supreme Court wields more power over your life than ever before you know, its decisions carry supreme consequences. And it listed like six themes, immigration, free speech, abortion, gun rights, religious freedom, and the last thing, the last bullet point was voting rights. And then they went on to say, judges don't just appear out of thin air. And I'm quoting now, (laughs) you know, they are appointed by the president, you know, the elected president of the United States. And the next president could appoint multiple judges to the Supreme Court determining its ideological direction for a generation or longer. We need to elect a president who understands the limited role of judges, understands the limited role of judges um, should play in our government. The court is at a crucial crossroads, and your rights are at stake. Now that sounds, wow, I'm like, damn, that's beautiful. But the Heritage Foundation wasn't talking to me. It was was, its 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 foundation is right. It's as far right wing as you can go, without falling out of the influence of gravity, man. (laughs) You know, so yeah, it's a it's a a scary. And this was 2016, and we know who came into power, and so it was like the Heritage Foundation was telling folks, "You want to elect somebody." Who's going to ch- Who's going to change the course of the Supreme Court for at least the next generation? And doggone if that isn't what happened. So I don't think folks really understand. And I'm, I'm going to wrap it up, man. I'm sorry. Um, and thank you, man, for letting me just to go on and on like this. But I don't think folks really understand, you know, um, the time that we're living in right now, you know, and um, it doesn't doesn't take much to look at other countries. I know ours is the country we know, as we have experienced it over the course of the last 300 or so years. You know, it's still a very, it's a babe in the woods compared to the rest of the world. But it doesn't take much to walk into any library. Well, you don't even have to walk into the library now. Library now. Just Google it to see yeah. the rise and fall of other nations. You know, if even right on the right right at the edge of my you know I was born in forty seven so that's right on the cutting edge of world war two it it doesn't take much searching to see what happens when you know uh, uh, um when uh when uh what what do you, there's so many different terms to use for governments that aren't um democratic by its foundation you know uh, autocracy let's say you know, it, it, it's it's a scary thing to consider that this country is right on the cusp of that possibility. But what frightens me is that so many of us aren't even paying attention. So that's all. Yeah. Let me just stop right there, yeah. you know, and before people start jumping out the window.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they can just hang out then. You know, last week, um, and I wanted to remind people that they had didn't listen to last week's show, please go back and check it out. And you can always listen to all our shows. They're saved on your favorite listening platform. Right but yeah. uh, last week, last week you said something. Um, you talked about moments shared should not become moments lost, you know, Amen. and, and it's listening to you sometimes that reminds us about these moments that are lost. Uh, You even talked about, and you've talked about it on numerous shows. We've we've had many discussions about functional schizophrenia and how we, you know, the information is lost and then we know it, you know, and then we sometimes have to, you know, act like we don't know. And then, you know, get all emotional when it's brought to our attention and it's it's like schizophrenia that we go through. So sometimes again, and being back in a show like this and listening to you, you know, it's so fresh right now. And and just listening to you reminds me and it reminds us uh, of these moments that are lost. So I know you, you feel like sometimes you get caught up in these discussions and you apologize about it, which is cool, you know, but I just wanted to let you know that it is cool that you do sometimes get in these lost moments and share such history with us. Um, because just as, you know, already said, these are crucial times right now. And. You know, we need all the knowledge that we can get. You know, you you talked about um, uh, Dubois, uh, Booker T., uh, Marcus Garvey. and, And thinking about all the way back then to now, is it me or does it always seem like there's always this misconnection with leaders? Like, what if all three of them had really got together and did something? You know, we always... Talk about what if Malcolm and Martin had a chance to have more time, you know, to to do things, and then we even joke around now about you know uh, some of the leaders who disappeared when Obama was in office, and then they show up again. And then they're having beef with one another. Um, is it? I'm just saying, is it me, and just, or is it? Does it? Is it just part of the the system that we have to play, you know, play a part of the game? You know, like why is it so difficult for us to to bring these ideas and 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 thoughts together you know instead of us fighting each other? I mean, you know there's so many different changes that the government puts in front of us, and it seems like you know like when you play chess, you keep getting beat enough, you kind of figure out eventually how not to get beat, at least I hope you do you know you kind of learn from the defeat um do you do you i mean am i am i just um i don't know being a part of the getting kind of a conspiracy theorist kind of feel you know maybe i'm looking too much into it uh i was just just curious as you know what are your thoughts with these issues that we have with us not being able to form a, a strong unity and stand with it even when oppression comes
3: well there but there is strong unity but it's not a collective, you know, it's a selective, you know, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and here in, again, here in lies the rub that, that, that's see, we have to, and it's hard. We live in a, we live in a black, when I say we, I'm talking about black Americans. We -hmm. live in a society that we don't dictate social policy. We only react to it. So the policy makers, you know, are the ones who, not only get to determine our direction, but they also get to determine our values. So we have, you know, we have this select crew, Already said something in a post, this. she said, as we look at the struggle for civil rights and economic opportunity, what is happening today is an, is an all out mission of the right wing Americans to undermine and undo all of the progress that, oh, my screen just shifted, <laughs> to all of the progress that has happened thus far. And so if if there's a shift in it, then progress stops. And this is, it's this stutter step that has happened since the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah, black men had to vote before women did, but it was the great price to pay, the greatest price to pay for black men to exercise that right was for fear of death. Well, you you know, that overall theme hasn't really changed, and so this is where my fear... Rest, You know, my fear rests in the ultimate consequences of this society and this slow slide back to the old Jim Crow era that, again, man, I fear for the lives of my children and their children and all of my relatives who are associated to my family tree. This is my great fear. You know, the economic struggles we've been through before. We're living it now. We're going to go through them for a while you know, the uh, political strains, you know, we get black folks elected to office probably more than we've ever had before. But you mentioned it earlier, they have to play the functional schizophrenia politics. They know the deal, but they have to act like they don't know the deal. So those who they're working with don't become petrified by their expressions of the deal. So it's like they can't come into Congress with an axe to grind. You know, they, they, they have to be the John Lewis kind of you know, uh, what was that trouble thing that he said? You know, make you know, some kind of trouble, but the idea was to make it in a way that wouldn't scare people off. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing obviously. You know, and that's why people have such a, a strong reaction to Malcolm X. You know, by any good, means good necessary. You, good know, <laughs> you know you know, by good trouble. There you go, thank yeah. you, man. See <laughs> yeah you know well i don't what's good trouble i don't see that's that's a select that's a select phrase you know when i was when i was catholic, <laughs> yeah, I'm, you, know, I'm still catholic
1: you know but when i was you Catholic,
3: yeah when i was catholic there was the strong push for what the media called the black muslims well they were the muslims you know uh they weren't the black but that you know let's use black because that's scared the shit out of people you know so when they will push you know for the black muslims was was surfacing now that muhammad speaks newspaper was kind of rough because they called all white people devils you know they made no they, they they did not you know they did not eat, soften the blow it's like all white people they said well what about my aunt yeah what about my aunt? Yeah. you know what about the priest at my church yeah all white people are devils so it's like well that you know that's kind of hard for a 16 year old to contend with and then the, of course with the black panther party which was doing such incredible work, you know, in, in, the, in the hoods in Oakland, which, of course, we weren't getting fed much of. We just saw the violent side to it. It was very difficult to understand, probably not too unlike what black folks must have been going through in the 30s. It was very hard to understand then, which way should I lean? See, what black folks have to realize is that no matter which way we choose, we are all on the front line. I don't care how passive we may be. I don't care how, um, di- how, how we may want to sink into the bushes and just disappear. We're, no matter what track we follow, no matter what path we walk, all black folks are on the front lines of what's going on in American society today. So it's a question of what do I really want to know? And if we choose not to know anything, that does not move us to the back lines. That just still presents another front that black folks have to contend with. So whether it's the political power, whether it's economic power, whether it's, you know, um, moving into a gated community where I can put chains around, you know, my gate and hire people to protect me so I can sit on my mound of gold and not have to worry about, you know, beggars or whatever the case may be. We have to somehow figure out, you know, how we can take all of our selected paths and somehow blend them into a singular concept of what a new definition of black power can be. But even saying the word black power alienates much of American society. It's just like, you know, it's almost like Black Lives Matter.
1: Look what, look
3: at the fallout from that. Yeah. You know, yeah. now maybe yeah. it would have been different if black folks had said black lives matter too. You right. know, maybe then people would have said, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. But because <laughs> we had the audacity to say black lives matter. How you dare know,
0: you? Right.
3: Yeah. You know, what do you mean? Your know, your life don't matter anymore now than it did when you were a slave. Why is it that white America has such a hard time with black folks wanting to be free? You know, I mean, I. Yeah, I understand that the the, the, the that the segregation the segregationalists of the South said you know the freeing of the slaves destroyed their lifestyle, so that they, they thought it was okay. It was a credible lifestyle to live it off of the backs of black people. I don't understand you know where this issue is that isn't being talked about in every talk show, isn't being demanded in every in every session in Congress. You know that. This is something that is supposed to be a non-issue, not a political platform. And I'm sorry, man. I probably didn't come anywhere near. And I see Artie answered the question too. <laughs> Good trouble, you know. I guess it doesn't come close to answering, you know, the question that you asked, man. And I apologize for that. I, I don't I should, know. Maybe
0: I was saying I, sh- I should apologize too because that that kind of set up really, you know, um, it's it's difficult to you know, approach it, you know, because there's so many different different ways and options and, and thoughts to approach this kind of discussion. But, you know, because you brought it up, because you mentioned all these different um, ah. history makers, you know, I, I just wanted <laughs> to get kind of like your, you know, final thoughts, if you will, on, on this particular series that you made in tribute to, to black lore. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, yeah. and I, well, I knew going to push you on the roadboat a little bit, so I do apologize.
3: <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me just say this right quick, cause I already made a very good point right here in the chat room. She said it, it is the ego that gets in the way of unity, you know, and, and it's mm-hmm. that, you know, that's one hell of a sentence right there. So, you know, an ego oriented movement is always going to be very um, um, selective in this approach, meaning, you know, like you don't get to be a Baptist if you're a Catholic. <laughs> you know, you, you know, the, you, the only choice you get is being Catholic. You know? uh, although I did meet somebody who was um, a, a Christian, but she also worked as a minister. I'm mean, sorry, she was a Muslim, but she worked as a minister at, at at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago. You know, which is a Christian organization. And I asked her, how did she do that? What kind of magic act was that? And of course, you know, she was a Muslim in, you know, um, in disguise. So I think th- she pretty much said exactly what, what you know, the struggle of so many black folks are. You know, we're, we're black Americans. We're Americans, rather, but we're Americans in disguise, you know. And somehow, you know, the, the ego of, of a of a of a blended and bonded people, you know, needs to be as healthy as possible because only a healthy ego can make healthy decisions. All inclusive, I don't know. You know, um, we've had in the '60s. I was blessed and cursed in the '60s to be born amongst you know the horde of an incredible group of of leaders. You know that offered a a a a, a plethora. You know of of, of platforms, but all had one intention in mind, you know, and that was for the unity of black people. You know, you didn't have to be a member of SNCC. You didn't have to be a member of the Black Panther Party. You didn't have to be a, a member of um, the Muslim movement. You didn't have to be, you know, uh, um, a, a Catholic or Baptist, but, you know, but they had, to, and, and in the sixties, I think we, we did a, a, a temporary but a wonderful job, you know, of shaping an image, you know, an image that was all-inclusive, you know, an image that spoke to the idea of black power regardless of the garments we wore, you know, and that the image of black power was an economic, a political, and, you know, um, a social reform, you know, that really did allow, you know, an extension of, a free speech there was a lot of speeches, <laughs> oh my God <laughs> you know, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. man, thank you for that Artie. Yeah. that was a beautiful thing. It is the ego that gets in the way of unity, man, yeah,
0: yeah. read Boom.
3: the read the rest, yeah. yeah, okay, uh, we need to gather, yeah, on a spiritual center and and make you know, let me find my glasses, we need to gather on a spiritual center. And make that our point of togetherness. Amen. You know, so spiritual becomes maybe a theme that we can play around with in defining in future shows, man. Mm-hmm. You
0: know. Yeah. You know, one of the things we we, we always, well, we seem to address, uh, not intentionally at times, but spiritual health. You know, that's even one yeah, of the hashtags amen. I like to use. Yes, we do. You know, yeah. uh, in, intentionally or unintentionally. Um but we're not afraid to talk about it, you know. You know, yeah. so that's that's part of the rub. And most conversations is just yeah. being comfortable with identifying it, let alone talking about hey, it. Hey, man, you want to bring Adam in for or yeah.
3: whoever that is yeah. in the uh, yeah. for
0: the for the next two minutes or whatever. very Eric, 413 four one three four five five. Yeah, we can bring him in. Uh, hello, caller. Good evening. How are you Good tonight? Evening. Good evening, gentlemen. How you guys doing? Oh, man. Still doing too great. early to tell for me. <laughs> We're almost an hour into the show. I don't want to spoil it, right?
3: <laughs> no,
0: that's the other I, show. Man, that's the other show. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, throw
3: this on you, man. That, that's a life <laughs> issue. That ain't an atom <laughs> issue.
2: <laughs> I, I well, have a quick question. Oh, I'm um, Sure. <laughs> Of course, surprise, surprise. But talking about influencers, fifty, sixty, seventy years ago, um, what if any influence did Dick Gregory have? Had yeah, tremendous influence. Okay. okay, and I just didn't know if you if you could or, or even wanted to speak on that because that I mean that's one person that that sticks out in my mind and, and I and I've heard, but I don't know. I know he was a, he was a comedian that turned activist, so I didn't know if you had any um comments about what he what he did
1: yeah
0: i i'm well, curious to hear that too uh, and the only reason why i say that that is is because a, a lot of people i, I don't really want to speak for my generation but for me personally i really didn't know that much about dick greger until later you know but there was so much that he that he did and it was just one of those individuals who um you know whose whose story Kind of missed me, uh, and so I'm sorry. So go ahead, that
3: Well, no, I mean it's just important that you share what your perspective is. You know, I mean because it, it's it's a whole picture. It's not a, you know, it's not limited to me. You know, I mean like I, my my generation, you know, um, had a chance to witness a a rebirth, so to say. But you know, he was a conspiracy theorist too, and near the end. You know, I don't even know if he's still alive, to be honest with you. And um, there's some things that he was that he was saying um, regarding the assassin, assassination of King that you know ruffled my feathers. You know, and and it's not that it ruffled my feathers because I don't believe him, and it's not ruff, not that it ruffled my feathers because I do. It ruff, ruffled my feathers because it wasn't a platform spoken in an open forum kind of setting that allowed some degree of, of debate, you know, or it, and even in debate validation. And I think that's all too often what happens. But anyway, early on in his career, you know, it, 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 in his comedian stance, you know, we had in the 60s, we had two avenues that were allowed, black men in particular, more than anything else. It was you could be a comedian, you know, or you could be an athlete. You know, and um, that pretty much was the mouthpiece of the underprivileged or the non-privileged few, many rather, as opposed to the few who, you know, escalated into the cap, into the into the arena of politics. And I say that because, you know, media wasn't like it is today, so you didn't get full media coverage and you didn't get a full media understanding of black politicians, you know, in the fifties and sixties. But black comedians, you know, and black athletes. Had you know they had access to the black community, so you know they they they, they kind of got to be kind of well known within their world. So Dick Gregory early, Dick Gregory early on talked about you know how do you you know discover a country already inhabited by people? He said that's like me walking down the street and seeing some seeing a Cadillac and say. Hey, I just discovered that Cadillac. <laughs> get in the driveway, you know, it's just, you know, and, and his comedy, you know, brought some clarity to the, the the themes that a racist society, you know, was 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 about. And then he became an activist, but not just on a singular perspective. He became multi dimensional and that one of the things he did was, you know, change his his health, his his diet. So he lost a lot of weight. So people who were used to him being kind of plump, you know, had issues with him suddenly being relatively svelte. If you ever see cotton comes to Harlem, that's him at his at the peak of his of his weight. Kinda of like Al Sharpton today as opposed to the Al Sharpton you see mm. Real quick, in in the movie, Malcolm X, you know, he's he's the plump dude running around, you know, hey, 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 and then you see this cat today, you know, (laughs) that that sometimes he scares me, you know, he looks so thin. But um, anyway, so, you know, Dick Gregory's commentaries became, you know, the equivalent of of like a, 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 what was my man's name, George, George, I can't think of his last name, you know, Um, George Carlin, you know, uh, his themes, although softened a lot by, you know, comedy, were nevertheless um, very much fueled by the consciousness of the time. But I would really be more interested in hearing what y'all's take of Dick Gregory was
2: than
0: mine. Yeah,
2: I uh, – go ahead, Adam. I have no clue. I'm sorry. I have no clue. That's why I asked.
1: Mm.
3: Artie says she
2: thought Dick Gregory was consistent.
3: You know, he was consistent about loving his community, amen, mm-hmm. believing in health, which people came to understand and learn about him. And he was mm-hmm. on a hunger strike, you know, uh, when he lost his weight, which I forgot, you know, he went on a hunger strike, you know. And um, so, he, you know, like almost every uh, black person who you see on the stage Um, who has reached some degree of notoriety in one way or the other, is going to have some fingerprints on the shaping of the identity of black America during the time that they have lived. I don't know any exception. I don't know, you know, good, bad, or otherwise. I don't know any exception. Everybody has drawn their own conclusions. Take a Sammy Davis Jr. You um, You know, black folks can be hard on black folks when we don't stay you know, monetary, you know, monetary, meaning just one-dimensional. So there's a lot about, um, and she said the hunger strike was about civil rights and black power, which it was. I mean, it's just when she said, when she, re, when she made the statement about his hunger strike, that's exactly what Dick Gregory was about. But you take a guy like Sammy Davis Jr., and a lot of people only know, know him or knew him, you know, or remember him as this black Jew, you know, a black man who married somebody who was Jewish, and became Jewish, you know, to um, justify the marriage. My um, Brit was her name, but nobody knows about, you know, how multi-talented he was. You know that, you know, I mean, like he wasn't just a tap dancer. He played, what I think four musical instruments. He was a comedian. He was an act, actor, and he was also a uh, uh, um, civil rights activist. But he hung out with the Rat Pack, and he took. You know, um, he took some degree of, of of racial abuse in hanging out with those guys, and so you know, it, instead of the multi-dimensional understanding of the, of the of the charismatic personality that this dude had, and he also transcended um, generations. Like, if my mother was on this line, she could speak, you know, more in depth about you know Sammy Davis's whole beginning than I could ever come close to, but he was always limited to a singular expression. He was never allowed the fullness of who he was. And so people tended to only see him in that one dimension that he was allowed to show. And so I think that is synonymous to and similar uh, with what you guys are talking and asking about right now. You know, who was this person? Who was that person? You know, anybody you want to name who has had any kind of spotlight on them. You know, the question becomes how deeply invested are we to really understand the personality as opposed to the one that uh, the media has only presented to us? You know, this is the problem that we face. You know, we face it with our contingency and we face it with our leaders. And I, I just can't get past that one sentence, you know, above all the rest that, that Arlene said that I, 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 I just really touches me is the ego you know it's it's i'm sorry it's the ego that gets in the way of unity but there's an ego within black folks but there's also a ego within the the dominant society as well you know but make no mistake about it it's the healthy ego that makes healthy decisions wounded egos make wounded decisions and sick egos make sick decisions you know and I'm not mm-hmm. sure we have an open enough platform to be able to decide who fits in the what category. Yeah.
0: That damn that damn wolf ego, I tell you, man.
3: Yeah, amen, bro. There <laughs> <laughs> you are, man. i tell you,
1: man. <laughs> there you are. No, you no, know. No, and
3: even that fluctuates, you know, because depending on privilege, you know, yeah. we can suddenly yeah. decide to starve one and feed the other that grants privilege that we otherwise wouldn't have. Amen.
2: Bill, before and, and you spoke about it a, a number of times when you met Sidney Portier because he was doing a sh- he was doing a show and you and all your you and all your boys ran down and met him and he came out and shook everybody's yeah, hand and because you guys were so excited. Would you have been just as excited to meet Dick Gregory as you was as you were him. to meet Dick Oh, really? Okay. Well, I didn't meet him as such, you know, like, Hey, what's up, Bill? <laughs>
3: oh, yeah, Dick? Yeah. How you doing? No. You know, he, he you, know, a, you know, he, you know, he cruised the streets of Chicago, you know. Okay. So, you know, like, um, to be, you know, anytime I'm in the company of celebrity, I claim ownership of having met them, you know, shaking yeah. their hand. I was, I've never been a, a autograph collector. Although I did get a Halle Berry's autograph, <laughs>
1: you, know? <laughs> That's about, you know,
3: and I was disappointed in that because I thought I was going to get an autograph on a picture. <laughs> I just got it on a little piece of paper. I you not know what that paper is right there. You know, I had a chance. I did have a chance to sit and talk with Sam Greenlee, which was mm-hmm. an incredible experience. You know, um, but you know, but you know, touching elbows with folks, yeah, I would. I would have loved to have been able to be more of a. There was just so much going on in the '60s and even the early '70s that you had your choice of those who you felt most connected to. I didn't feel that connected to Dick Gregory as I let's say, I I did toward um, Fred Hampton or um, um, even um, Father George Clemens. You know, um, I didn't feel as as close to uh, Dick Gregory's uh, attitude and approach towards civil rights as I should have been, but there was so much going on, you know, that none could have gotten equal status with all. It was a choice of, 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 of agreement, you know, and my choice of agreement was, was broad, you know, so Dick Gregory was definitely there, you know, but um, Sidney Poitier was definitely there, you know, um, so many of the others were definitely there, but in my time in the 60s, I I leaned more toward, you know, um, the, the, the athlete like Jim Brown and Lou Alcindor and Cassius Clay. You know, I leaned more toward those who I recognized more readily, you know, on the TV screen and Harry Belafonte, you know, um, um, um. um Uh, you know, and the names escape me right now, but, you know, to see them marching arm in arm and hand in hand, you know, with um, Dr. King, that, you know, and then working at the the Chicago American newspaper, that's the Tribune Tower. Again, you know, that's as right wing as you can get. But to be in in that type of arena and see, you know, the, the making of the newspaper and to be within arm's reach of Jack Mabley, who was an editorial writer for the, Um, for the chicago american and reading his words as he was writing him writing them as he was rebutting you know the um open housing marches that king was doing in marquette park you know um and 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 sitting at this desk with this white boy who was writing to to jack mabley and, and and telling him that he was wrong and what he was writing and giving his points of view and then watching mabley walk over to our desk and walk right toward me and stick his hand out and say, hi, I'm Jack Mabley, and are you, and he he asked me if I was the white boy, you know, and I said, no, sir, and then the white dude said, that's me, and he dropped my hand like, you know, like I had pee on it. That was the end of my conversation, and of course, you know, later on the white boy asked me, he said, man, you you didn't take no issues with with what he was writing about. You You don't have any attitude about the issues of civil rights. You don't, you know, you don't, have anything to share, you know, about what your what your issues are in, in the struggle? And I looked at him and said, no. You know, and that was the end of our conversation. I was not going to talk to anybody white who I feared could do to me what I saw done to a black body when our social studies teacher, when I was in grammar school, passed it around from the Jet magazine. And in the bloated body, it had three letters carved in it, KKK. I didn't know anything about any of that, you know, until I saw it, and then my mother explained to me, you know, what this this attitude, this atmosphere of, I was 11, you know, to find out what it meant to be black in America or Negro in America. So, you know, as these things, and then, of course, I was drafted in the Army, just as my consciousness was coming to light, and I was in the Army when King was assassinated. So you know my 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 attitudes became more toward by any means necessary you know um so dick gregory was an activist but he was a pacifist too and hats off you know but when you're 21 and you're full of spit you know and 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 already dealing with conflicts of identity and a complex of color you know there's an anger a seething anger that you look for the kind of outlet that would release it. You know, and I think that's the what the majority of those of my generation, black males, were dealing with in the sixties.
0: Y'all. Right on. Cool. Right on. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't know uh Dick Gregory ran for mayor of Chicago.
3: Mm hmm.
0: Sure did. Yep. Right
3: on. Yeah, man. See all these things yeah, I forgot. You know,
0: I, He's you uh, saying that, you, bang.
3: You know when yeah. somebody can say something and suddenly just rings. up. Yeah, how could I have forgotten to mention that? Yeah, yeah, ran from there. and of course he was taken as a
0: joke by everybody, but those right.
3: who were seeing a right. need for change in American in, in
0: Chicago politics. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even know that. I just I just came across that bit of information. But, right on, man. Again, right on. You know, it's stuff like this. See. Like I just found out something. I don't know about everybody else, and I know Dick Gregory. I heard of Dick Gregory. Now Chicago was his spot, you know. But yeah. I didn't know he went against Daley. I didn't know he ran for for president of the United States. I didn't know, you know, <laughs> all the all the different stuff he had campaigns. Yeah, he for, did. He
3: ran for president of the United States. He sure did. That's right. Yeah. You yeah. know, but you got to understand too the climate of Black America at that time was a very serious. Um, a very serious mindset, and so we look for the things we could take serious, you know, and not have have what may be seen as a as a as a uh, what do you call it as a, um, a a political not a political gap, but in, kind of like a uh, what what is the word I'm looking for when you look to sell your own ticket um, uh, anyway. I can't think of it. You know, (laughs) when when you do something just to make yourself look good, you know. So, you know, we we didn't know what was a ploy and what wasn't. We didn't know what was real and what wasn't. So we looked for platforms, and we looked for some type of of roots in in what one's stance really was. You know, so Dick Gregory started out as a comedian. You know, then he discovered this Bavarian diet, you know, a Bahanamanian diet—I can't remember which one it was—and you know, and 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 his face was on billboards was selling this diet product, and so people were like, you know, back and forth with, okay, is this a stunt? That's what I was looking for. You know, is this a, just a a, a a a stunt, just to just to gain some kind of notoriety and and um and um and and and, and Foothold in in feathering one's own nest, or is this something he's really you know dedicated to? Of course, the only thing we had to look at was track record, you know. So like Dick, you know Dick, you know you're kind of getting in the way of those who are really invested in politics. But then we have to look at okay, so who's really invested in politics? You know, when Harold Washington ran for mayor the first time, he was he was crushed, and when they came to him and asked him to run again, he said he wasn't going to do it unless they brought. 500,000 newly registered black voters because he understood through defeat what it was going to take to overcome the daily machine. You know, see, these are the things that, again, you know, only the inner circle was beginning to understand how things worked. Yeah, it, it's a it's a hard thing for me, you know, as an older black man, you know, to talk about these things as I'm talking about them now you know without going on and on almost to the point of sounding like I'm ranting and I apologize but understand I do it when I do it because I know even amongst my own there would still be debate the debate of what each of us believed you know and still do believe so it would still become that inner competition of getting all, all of our own voices out there so taking this opportunity just to say what I'm saying believe me this wouldn't be ordinarily done so I thank y'all man for
0: being patient with me to do it. Amen. I don't know if Adam is still
2: there. Oh um, yeah, no, I definitely. I'm I'm definitely I would love listening to listening to you speak the knowledge and and, and educating. Well, you oh. got a dad
3: that does the same thing, you know.
2: And uh um, no, no, and I, I've known your I, dad a,
3: a long time. Oh, wait a minute. I've known him all my life. <laughs> <laughs> I have that's too. a long time. <laughs> Yeah, and he's known you all
2: your life. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> see, educating <laughs> people again.
1: Funny. No, but just, just
2: just just on this platform, I really listen. I really enjoy listening to you guys and being being able to ask ask questions. Well, That's good. Think hear,
0: it's good to hear your voice, man. It's good to hear you
2: ask. The yeah, voice.
3: man, you've been missed. We've we'll been crying about you not being on the show for a long time. I'm glad you finally showed up.
2: I've been crying, through, crying too. I thought my one button was broken. <laughs> well, no, it got sabotaged by
3: my one button being wide open.
0: <laughs> no, but it got sabotaged by Dad's 1,000 button. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh,
1: all
3: right, man. I love y'all, man. I'm, I'm going to back off. I love now, you guys, you guys. Too, Go ahead. Y'all land this
0: airplane. All right, all right. Hey, Primo, good to hear your voice, man.
2: Good to hear your you voice. You too, Thanks man. I'm glad you made it home safe. I'm glad you had a good time.
0: I appreciate it, man. I, we'll definitely wrap soon. Um, yes, sir. And, uh, you know, it's Primo, Adam. Uh, thank you to our, our friends in the chat room, everybody that, that listened online, and those of you that uh, were able to listen on your phone lines as well, and even those that are listening to our recorded shows. Uh, again, thank you for the time you take to listen to our show. Uh, we always welcome comments, questions, concerns, uh, you know, because we're always looking to improve the show. Um, maybe Wednesday I might jump into a couple of quick facts. Last week, Dad mentioned that Wednesday was Biden's uh, one year, 365 days since he's been in office. And nobody's really pointed out some of the things that he's accomplished. It's been overshadowed Amen. by uh, you know, his predecessor um, and all the other stuff that's still happening. So maybe Wednesday I might take a moment just to just point out like maybe three to five facts that we didn't know, you know, as far as in the White House changes that may occur. So just look for that Wednesday. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Right on. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, A couple of things I wanted to also share before we go. Um, Like I said, my, my time in Mexico has really been, really peaceful and really allowed my brain to just shut down and be quiet a couple of times. And there's some things that I came across that I wanted to share with you all. Uh, If it helps you, cool. You know, if not, maybe you can just put it somewhere, I don't know, for later. But just looking at the things that we're doing in our lives, um, whatever it is that you're doing, there's two things I want you to ask yourself, two things. Number one, ask yourself, why do you do it? Why do you do it? And number two, who are you doing this for? Again, who are you doing this for? Maybe at night before you go to bed, you know, just the things that you got to do, and it's not really meant to, like, do some serious soul searching, but it might bring up some. Maybe it'll help. Maybe it won't. But that's something that uh, just came across to me through my time of being quiet, one mind, no mind. Um, I just wanted to share that with you. You know, because our life, as we keep growing, we're trying to make it better. You know, we're dealing with growth and all kind of other things. Um, My new phrase is it's a a campaign, you know, like political campaigns, how they have strategy, they plan stuff out. You know, it's not a a quick thing. It's not a a hack or something that's going to just instantaneously happen. You know, we have to have a plan. We have to have a vision. Um, And so I'm, 2022, I'm working on my campaign and part of this show's campaign and even uh, my father's campaign, you know, as he continues to write his books and maybe even help you write your own book and write your own story, too. Uh, shameless plug for Write Your Own Book Club. Um, so that was just something I wanted to share before we go. Any last uh, <laughs> thoughts or comments, Dad, before we wrap this up? No, <laughs>
3: Thanks for the plug. Yeah, <laughs> thanks man. for the nudge. I should say thanks for the poke. <laughs> it's
1: a friendly right poke, man. It's a, it's
3: a friendly poke. Yeah, right on. No, At man, least, beautiful. Let me let me just stay. Let me stay
0: muted, man. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, until Wednesday, seven p.m. Flower Live shows on com slash thegreenhousefx uh, Again, we have multiple ways to engage with us. I'm not going Listed. You know where to find us. Uh, please, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, just let us know because you know, uh, it's through us. We, we've got each other. We're the ones that help each other to grow. So, my dad calls me user friendly. So, hit me up first. <laughs> this is the Greenhouse <laughs> Effect Radio Show. This is the Greenhouse Effect Radio Show. An opportunity to provide uh, an opportunity to uh, an opportunity to exercise critical thinking. Uh, experience a renewed self-awareness and maybe an even deeper connection to others and their experiences especially when we share interpretations and feelings so until wednesday ladies and gentlemen please stay blessed stay healthy stay safe uh stay warm <laughs> it's cold out there man all right daddy go i uh, love you uh, it's good to uh be back in the studio with you. Uh clear welcome and, back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for holding it down. Uh until Wednesday, uh we'll talk to you all again. Uh, Amen. All right. Amen.
1: I